eyes on me. All eyes on me. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to a Friday edition of the Pewter Report podcast. That's right, Friday. We're not we're not taking the day off, folks. We're not we're not just going to be heading to the bars for happy hour. No, we're going to be here talking Bucks football with you, you awesome Pewter people. So all eyes are on Robert Hainsey now at Bucks Center. It sounds like like. Uh, our good friend Ryan Jensen is going to be out several months, according to Todd Bowles, if not longer. We're going to get into that. We had a couple of, of fine chaps today at, at practice watching with me. I'm Scott Reynolds, by the way, and I'm really energized by Celsius today. I've already had two. The The other gentlemen, I believe, have only had one Celsius, and that would be J.C. Allen and Bailey Adams joining me here on the Pewter Report podcast. How are we doing, guys? Doing great. Doing absolutely great. It was another hot scorcher out there. Celsius got me powered yes. today. Nice watermelon to start the day. So yeah. Great. Lost eight pounds so far in three days. So all that's that good, that Lenny and Vita needed to lose, I'm sure that's gone by now. Anyone else? Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I'm just going to say it for, for the chat before people beat me to it. Um, Bailey is looking like Jim Hopper from Stranger <laughs> Things. Just, just gonna say it. I love it. It's a great look. So, yeah, it's it's good. So, uh, th- th- there were some stranger things today at at Bucks uh, training camp day three. We didn't see Ryan Jensen. Uh, he's been a stalwart. Has not missed a single game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer since joining the team. That's going to change. Robert Hainsey taking over at center. And that was really the big news today, right? Was was Todd Bowles kind of confirming what we what we already knew, which was that that uh, Jensen's going to be out. It's a, it's a significant uh, knee injury, and uh, we got our first look at Robert Hainsey as the starting center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And um, there's no Tom Brady today, so we didn't see the magic between Brady and Hainsey Bailey. Because there was a veteran day off, he and, and Mike Evans, Levante, David, some of those those veterans got the day off. But we saw a lot of Blaine Gabbard, but we also saw a lot of Robert Hainsey with the starters, and we saw Nick Leverett with the backups. What was your initial impression of what you saw from Hainsey, Bailey? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, I liked what we saw from Hainsey. It, it is always a little difficult to get a gauge on offensive linemen when you're not in pads. I know they'll be in pads coming up on Monday. Yeah, um, but I saw some good reps. I saw some bad reps. I mean, I didn't. I don't think I saw any bad snaps or anything like that. Right. Um, I just saw a couple times uh, he got stood up by Akeem Hicks, who you know I think is known to stand some people up from time to time. So yeah. nothing you can really take away from uh, Hainsey there. But no, for the most part, I saw it in the limited um, contact that we saw, Hainsey looked like he was holding his own and, and communicating well out there. Yeah, and the thing is, is what, what we've kind of learned from team sources, we put it out on Twitter, websites back up, thankfully, and we've got some stories on there, the latest of which is Josh Capo's film room, where he broke down Hainsey's plays from last year, 31 to be exact. He's a very inexperienced guy, but comes with third-round credentials. And so check that out on pewterreport.com. We've got a couple of articles going up on Hainsey and, and Jensen, and we'll have more. We'll have our, our training camp insider coming up later today as well. Plus, our weekend content is jam-packed. SR's Fab Five will be coming out on Sunday because I want to review the entire first week, what happened the entire week, which is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday's practices. The Bucks have Sunday off. 
And we'll have new training camp diaries from Rashad White, who I spoke with today, and Pat O'Connor, who I'm going to speak with tomorrow. So check that out on pewterreport.com. JC, I I, I know that I think at least our regular readers, listeners, viewers know that that I have a bit of a bromance for Blaine Gabbert, who, you know, everybody should know by now is the most handsome quarterback in the roster. Uh, and, and Blaine made some good throws today. I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was not perfect by any means. He's the backup quarterback. Uh, you know, he's not Tom Brady. But at the same time, you have a little bit of, of, a, of a man crush on, on Nick Leverett, the, the backup center, and you know, kind of by default now. And, and, and Leverett was, was a player that, that, that played some center last year in the preseason, got in at guard against the Colts. And this team really likes his versatility, but he's really being counted on now to to be that that center. And and at least with what Todd Bowles said, he's competing for the starting center job. Did that surprise you hearing that from Bowles today? I I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, I talked to to Coach Goody after uh, practice, offensive line assistant head coach. And uh, you know, he said Leverett's been one of the first guys in the building at five thirty every morning watching tape. Talking to Leverett, he's been not only watching tape, learning the entire offense, the formations, the shifts, took time to learn the defense this offseason as well to kind of get that head start, uh, picking the defense apart, know what's going on before they even do it, um, you know, when they're disguising coverages. So he's been working his tail off this offseason. You know, you can tell that he put on some more muscle as well. Um, he's got that versatility to play all across the line. We saw him at second string center, but we also saw him at left guard with the third with the third string as well when Griff was out there. So um, if he continues to work his butt off and, and show put good reps on film, um, it, it's a competition everywhere. It's never yeah. competed. I mean, besides Tom Brady, everybody's competing. Everyone's always competing. Uh, you have guys who have set themselves apart with their standard of play, but. I mean, if another guy comes up and you can get better production at somebody, everyone's job is always on the line. It's the NFL right. along. So uh, if he shows enough that that they feel more comfortable with him over over Hainsey, which again, I think Hainsey's probably going to be the guy. But yeah, you know, I, I'm not surprised by hearing that from Bulls today. You know, uh, l- let me ask you this, Bailey. Uh, you know, and Leah with the five dollars super chat, I always appreciate the super chats. They're they're um, they're, they're sought after here on on the peter report podcast so if you want your question or comment to be read and and seen by everybody because we can't get everybody's comments make sure you give us a super chat leo does and and here's leo's statement no disrespect to hansy but he's never snapped the ball to brady and has 29 garbage time nfl snaps i think the number is 31 i think you're up by a couple snaps leo i I could be wrong but it's friday but treader was Pro Football Focus is number five center last year. Go get him. I'm going to kind of save this a little bit for for Josh Capo, who's going to be joining the podcast at about 4.20 as I depart. But, Bailey, when you look at at what happened in 2020, and, again, I know that Tristan Wirfs was a first-round caliber player, but this team has not shied away from starting rookies if they can play. And I'll point out a couple of guys in 2019 and Todd Bowles' first year. He started Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting. And in the Super Bowl season, started second-round pick Antoine Winfield Jr. at free safety. And Tristan Wirfs got the start at right tackle, blocking for Tom Brady. So I know that that Hansey is a third-round guy, but this team just seems very high on him. 
And and if they're not going to pursue a guy like J.C. Treader, which it doesn't sound like they're going to, it means Tom Brady has a stamp of, of approval on this move as well. Yeah, it feels that way. And I know I think it's it's easy to get used to what the Bucks have done in the last couple of years. You know, if they have a hole, go out and get a guy. Anyone they can go, anyone they want, they can go get. Um, but I think it it, it would show a, you know a sign of uh, of confidence in in Hainsey. Um, just talking to, to Bowles today, he sounded confident whether they roll with Hainsey or Nick Leverett. It was, you know, he was complimentary of both of them. We talked uh, to both Nick Leverett and Robert Hainsey after practice, and, you know, both guys sound ready. You know, Hainsey, especially, you know, I'll have an article coming out on pewterreport.com about Hainsey in the offseason that he spent with AQ Shipley. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the game experience, and, and but you've got to get it at some point, right? You've got to see whether or not the guy can play. And yeah. I know, you know, that sounds like you're, you're gambling a little bit, but I think they're very confident in what they've seen from him, the development and growth. Cause remember too, last year he transitioned from left from a tackle position in college to center. Right. So last year was a learning year for him this off season. He spent with AQ Shipley mm-hmm. and you know, he sounds more confident and comfortable as a center than ever before. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and, the go ahead, JC. I said the biggest thing is use of the baby powder too. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get that. But no, he has snapped a bunch of with, with Brady over the past year. Yeah, uh, you know that's something that I asked them. You know, off to the side before the press conference. So I don't have any as exactly what you said, Scott. If he's going to be the guy, Brady signed off on it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because Brady's the assistant GM. To Jason Light, we we know that Jason pretty much said that yesterday too at the press conference. Uh, Candace brings up a point here. Because uh, he's Candace Pointer, he brings up a point. That's that's the natural segue, right? Hainsey will get a real test against Simmons, meaning Jeffrey Simmons, when we ever join practices with Tennessee. I'll tell you what, though. Hainsey, JC, was getting a real test from Akeem Hicks, as Bailey pointed out, and also Vita Vea, too. So it's not like they get to wait for Jeffrey Simmons to really test this guy or even Nick Leverett. They've got a couple guys in-house that can really give uh, Hainsey and Leverett a run for their money up front. Right, and expanding on what Bailey said about you know his snaps, I specifically watched him and Leverett for most of the day. I mean, I asked you guys to like focus elsewhere so I could yeah. really watch that competition. And yeah, you know there was a a, a tough snap for Haynes at the out, out the gate uh, with Akeem Hicks, who kind of just bull rushed him, bowled him over down to yeah. the ground, right. and uh, you know got the would be sack, and you know everyone was celebrating with Shaq and all those mm-hmm. guys, but. Later in the practice, he stonewalled Vita Vea. Like, Smith right. gave Vea up. Like, Vea wasn't yeah. going anywhere. And that was really impressive. He showed good ability to climb to the second level mm-hmm. uh, and reach the linebackers on running plays. I was very impressed with what I've seen from him. It's Akeem Hicks, guys. The guy is a mountain of oh, and, he is. and to note on that, he was coming off double team as well from Vea and Hicks, who were both coming at him. And he, he you know, he kind of he had Vea and then had to switch to Hicks. And, yeah. Hicks just kind of got the better of him, and that's going to happen. Yeah. This is made all pro centers look like that. Right, yeah. And, and Todd Bowles even said, JC, better this happen now, right, and Bailey too, better this happen right now than the last week of, of camp as you're getting ready for the Dallas game. I mean, if you're, you're going to have to get Hainsey ready to play, might as well give him all three preseason games and the vast majority of training camp practices, right, Bailey? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think – the big key too is when when pads come on next week. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll learn a lot because you know you can only do so much when you're going up against Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks when you're not wearing pads. You know, yeah. I, I think something like Jensen's injury was very unfortunate the way it happened. They're right. not wearing pads. It's it's almost kind of just weird that it happened that way. A fluky yeah. a fluky play happened. But when they get the pads on, they'll really be able to go at it. 
and and really he'll be able to show that the development that he's had over the last yeah. year or so. Well, and I'll just say this. Um, I, I'm a defensive-minded guy. I, you know, I don't like offense. I'm just going to say that. I mean, I, I like Tom Brady. Points are nice. They're fun. They're cute. But defense wins championships. We saw that in, in 2020 with Todd Bowles' unit. Um, having said that, I, I do have some advice for Robert Hainsey and Nick Leverett going forward. Before games, before practices, I mean, just chug a Celsius. It works for me. It works for the entire Peter Report staff. So, I know it works for a lot of you in the chat. If you've had a Celsius today, and JC can can pop these up on the screen. If you had a Celsius today, let us know what flavor you had. I had the Arctic Vibe, which is phenomenal. And and this this was a two Celsius day for me. I've had three two day Celsiuses in a row. Not because they don't work, because they're beginning up super ridiculously early. Early, I need one in the morning. I need one in the afternoon. Arctic Vibe, Tropical Vibe, Peach Vibe. You can vibe with Celsius. And the great thing about Celsius is you're going to have all the energy that you want to need without the sugar crash later on. Why? Because there's no sugar. There's no preservatives. Okay? That's what makes Celsius special. So you're probably thinking, where in the world can I get this tasty Celsius that has seven vitamins and all the energy I need without the sugar and the preservatives? Well, my friends, I will tell you. Go to Celsius.com. Click on the store locator. Punch in your address. You'll find convenience stores, health and fitness stores, grocery stores all around you that carry Celsius. And then once you find the flavors that you like and give a couple a try, do what I do. Order them in bulk on Amazon. Click the subscribe and save option. You save money and they ship them right to your door so you never run out of Celsius. Yeah, and if if Adam Davies from out, out here, one of our, our fans from the UK who, who's listening, can find them in England, Yes. You guys, no excuses. You guys got to get on the Celsius train if you haven't already. Yes. Uh, jelly ho. Uh, exactly. So uh, we heard from Robert Hainsey today. And of course, we heard from Todd Bowles as well. But we heard from Robert Hainsey. And I wanted to play a couple clips that Casey Hudson uh, got for us from the, the Hainsey press conference. This first one from Hainsey is is on Ryan Jensen. And, uh, you know, what, what he admired about Ryan, still admires him. Ryan's not dead. He's just hurt. But what he's learned from Ryan as well. You know, the way Ryan approaches every every day and every game is with a mentality that he's the baddest dude on the field. And he usually is. And being that guy, you see it throughout the games. And I know you guys like to talk about it. But in the locker room and in locker rooms across the NFL, I think that means something. And that carries a certain level of respect. You know, this is... He's that guy that's not going to let you get away with anything. Don't stand around a pile waiting while, while he's there. And so to I'm not Ryan Jensen, and I'm, that's not who I'm trying to be. I have to be myself. But that chip on the shoulder that he plays with, um, if I'm out there, I think I want to have a little bit of that myself because I owe that to him. And whoever's out there owes that to him to continue that presence of the type of man, the type of player he is on the field. Guys, We've heard from a lot of people, front office, coaches, players. Robert Hainsey is is a, a guy that, that this team really likes. Oh, yeah. I would say that, that Robert Hainsey's biggest fan in the building is probably Ryan Jensen, for real. I mean, he was very complimentary of Hainsey in the offseason when talking about his transition from being a, a right tackle at Notre Dame to coming in and learning how to play center. And... And, you know, and, and learning 
to be an interior offensive lineman with two guys on either side of you, you know, and, 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 uh, and Robert Hansey also talked about that today. It was, a, it was an interesting transition uh, moving from tackle to center. And I don't know, you know, I, th- I, think, I do think everything happens for a reason. I was here last year in a, in a role that I never had before. I was never a backup. And I learned a lot about myself last year and how to continually grow and continually challenge myself when I wasn't playing on Sundays. So I think that it works out however it works out. And there's things you can and cannot control. And that was one thing that I couldn't control. All I could control was how I came out every day, prepared to improve and get better and help the team. And I thought I, thought I did everything I could to do that. So with the way things were last year, I don't really think I'd change anything. I think it worked. I think it led me to where I am now. And I feel like I said, prepared, ready, comfortable, and in a good spot. So that was Robert Hansey. Your impressions, Bailey, you were there at, at the press conference. Anything else that you that you leaned from Robert Hansey or Nick Leverett from both of those guys speaking today? Yeah, I think the really the big key from Hainsey was that what he said there about I'm not Ryan Jensen and I'm that's not who I'm trying to be. I need to be myself. That I think going into this whole competition between him and Nick Leverett, that's the key for probably both of those guys is to realize they're not going to replace a presence like Ryan Jensen. They just need to be the best versions of themselves and that the team can can still win with them the way they're playing at that level. Um, another thing that Hainsey was talking about, again, again, going back to what he did with AQ Shipley in the offseason, he said he went out to Arizona and worked out with Shipley at the gym, at parks, at high schools, you know, ate dinner with his family, spent the whole summer with him, came back to Tampa for mini camp and OTAs, mm-hmm. then went back out west again with AQ Shipley and and really put that work in. So that really stood out to me, just him talking about that whole experience as he came away stronger, more confident, more comfortable yeah. in the position. Nick Leverett was very complimentary of Ryan Jensen as well, talking mm-hmm. about how he's – a role model guy he's looked up to for for so long and was you know he started the the press conference by saying you know he, first and foremost he needed to talk about ryan jensen and by right. the time he finished talking about you know the kind of guy ryan jensen is he had forgotten the question he was asked because yeah. you know, he just <laughs> it was a very it was a very emotional like right a couple minutes for him and for also for for hainsey because you mm-hmm. know he even asked mike evans about it about like you know the the air was out of the sucked out of practice yesterday yeah and jensen went down and it so, was yeah, for those guys to to get past that and to get to the point where they're being the best versions of themselves, you know, that's what really stood out to me from from them talking today. Yeah, you know, um, common sense is full of common sense, and we love him as a as a podcaster. Uh, you know, coming on and in, in, in the chat and, and joining us here with some great comments, and he says, "I think we can trust Brady on what he wants to do." JC, I think you tweeted something either that or it was in the group, the PR group chat about all of the centers that Tom Brady's played with in New England and how they lack some credentials. I thought that was great insight. Can you kind of share some of that with uh, with the chat here? Yeah, so the only time Brady's played with a, a center with a first-round pedigree was Damian Woody his first two years. Damian then switched to left uh, left or right guard uh, mm-hmm. in his third year. But after that, it was Dan Copen who came in, who was a fifth-round selection. Later down the line, they played with guys like Ryan Wendell, undrafted free agent, uh, Dan Connolly, undrafted free agent, Brian Stork, who was a fourth-round pick, uh, then Ted Karras, who was a sec- sixth-round pick, David Andrews, who was an undrafted free agent. A lot of things will – a lot of people will say, well, yeah, the Patriots' offense is much different than the Bucks' offense. And I had someone say to me when I tweeted that out that the Bucks' offense is more about taking big plays and, and you know they need to buy more time for the quarterback to let plays develop down the field where the Pats is just a quick dink and dunk. 
refuting right. that point is Brady had the fastest release, second fastest release out of any quarterback in the NFL last year while leading the league in 20-plus yard throws. The first yeah. person who had the fastest release, Ben Roethlisberger, who was mostly throwing quick hitches, outs, and screen passes because they couldn't block for him. So Brady's release is also going to help him be able to help whoever's there, whether it's Gadecki and Hainsey, two first-time starters, it's going to be able to help them uh, transition. And he's made a lot of guys. I mean, he, we're talking about left guard too, right guard. Steven Neal, uh, a career yeah. college wrestler who turned into <laughs> right. a, a near Pro Bowl level guard in the league. Like Brady has done a lot more with less. They have bookend tackles. That's always been uh, you know, a point of emphasis for protecting Brady. I think they're going to be fine. I know the coaching staff loves what they've seen out of Hainsey and and uh, Lavrette. We've talked about it. We talked about Goody's comments on him. Goody today said he, he's got full confidence in Robert Hainsey. They don't think yeah. there's be a drop-off. And anything that Ryan Jensen can do, Hainsey can do it as well. So, I mean, if yeah. that doesn't tell you what they think about him, this yeah. guy is assistant head coach and the guy who's with the interior lineman every single day like i i think i think they've got a good grasp on what hansy's uh ability is and what he can yeah. be in the offense yeah i agree uh trustin uh vorbeck with the 499 super chat i know the pay structure but could julio turn into our number three if he is healthy and just as explosive as he was in 2016 to 2018 with the falcons and build chemistry with Brady. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, Byron Leftwich and Tom Tom Brady are going to want the best players on on the field. And you know the the pay structure hierarchy right now is Chris Godwin at 20 million, Mike Evans at a little bit less, Russell Gage, you know, at, at 10 million, and then Julio at, at six. And we'll have Josh Capel on in a few minutes just to talk about that pay structure too, because Mike Greenberg does it again. I mean, he is he's a Jedi. He's not just the vice president of football operations or administration, whatever. He's he's a Jedi over there uh, doing mind tricks with the the salary cap. Um, one of the things that I wanted to touch on real quick uh, for our, our Pewter Reports podcast uh, people out there is is where we go when we want to, to turn to fantasy. And I know it seems like Jason Light has been a fantasy football god getting all of these players in right now, Julio Jones being the latest. But we want you to go over to Underdog Fantasy. And Underdog Fantasy is the place to go when it comes to fantasy football. $10 million in prizes on Underdog Fantasy. And they've got this thing called Best Ball Mania 3. It's about one-third full right now, right? And you know the drill with it's, it's ABD, always be drafting, always be drafting. The, it's not too early to start drafting your fantasy football team at underdog fantasy and i tell you the the second place winner last year drafted his winning team in june so now's the time to get in that draft make it happen get julio jones who's going to be a red zone threat get chris godwin a lot of a lot of people that aren't buccaneer fans are going to think he's out until halfway through the year that's not true he's going to be i think ready for week one in my opinion we'll see but head over to underdog fantasy and start drafting your team. What I love is is when you draft with Underdog Fantasy, it's best ball. So you, you set it and forget it. I don't have time to go in every week and change my lineup and all this. You draft a bunch of quarterbacks, and wide receivers, and tight ends, and running backs, and it's best ball. That way, if one of your quarterbacks is injured during the season, is out for the year, you've got two other options, and they always play the best statistics of the week. So 
If you have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Rodgers has a better day statistically, you get Aaron Rodgers points. And if Brady has the better day, like is going to happen in, in week three when those two go head-to-head -head again, then you'll get Tom's points. So that's how it works. Make sure you head to Underdog Fantasy, get on board, draft your teams, and use the promo code Pewter to sign up for some early drafting bonuses. That's Pewter. Uh, again, I keep teasing we're going to bring in Josh Capo, and I'm going to. But I've got to talk a little defense really quick. And there, there were some dropped interceptions today. We saw Will Golston have a great pass breakup in the red zone drill. I think they were like a, the, what they call the, the plus red zone. There was about at, at the 10 yard line and big will six foot six, put his long arm up and tipped the pass that was picked off in the end zone by Joe Tryon Shoenka. Yep. And that was a great play. Also play that hands. He stood uh Vita Vea up too. That's right. That's exactly right. The only problem is that was the only interception. There was a couple of other dropped. Interceptions. Who got the other one? It was, um, I forget where you guys were, but Blaine Gabbert threw an interception. Um, you had to get that in there. To Carl, to Carl Davis. For That's right. Credit, yes. it did go off Kyle Rudolph's hands. That's correct. I do remember that now, yes. I tried to block it out because it was Blaine, but I do remember. Yeah, that's correct. It, ended their, it effectively ended their two-minute situational. That's game. right. Yeah, it, it was it was really Kyle Rudolph's fault because the ball hit him right in the hands. That is a fact. I'm not sticking up for Blaine. I mean that that's just a fact. But the the, the biggest most egregious drop uh, interception and, and there was a couple. KJ Britt had one that that went right to him. Um, Shaq Barrett actually had one that was deflected off of of, of uh, an offensive player's hands, hit Shaq right in the hands, and he just couldn't bring it in. But the most egregious one was Jamel Dean was covering, I believe it was Jalen Darden, in the end zone. And just the ball was thrown right to him. I want to say it was a Kyle Trask pass. And he was thinking about the other end zone right. before he got out of this end zone with the ball. And just bobbled, 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 and dropped it. And it's like, that's the kind of Jamel Dean stuff that we, we need to to weed out of, and we need to get to the Jamel Dean, the, hey, Jamel, you're in a contract here. You need to make those plays. It needs to be a pick six in practice so it can be a pick six on Sundays. The last thing I'm going to mention was, and, and this to me was was the play sequence of the day. The Bucks did a lot of two-minute drill stuff at the end, and Todd Bowles learned a lesson, guys. He learned a lesson from, from getting Ryan Jensen hurt in two-minute drills to when the ball is snapped, the defensive line stands up and does not pass rush. The offensive line stands up and, and just simulates pass blocking because we know what's going to happen in two minutes, right? It's going to be pass rush and pass protection, right? So they don't need to actually do it. It's really more for the quarterback to find the open receiver, right? And for the defensive backs to cover those receivers. That's really what the two-minute drill is all about. To make the situational play. Which Correct. Was a fun, well, not fun, but there was an instance today. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, hold on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, the, the, the two plays I'm talking about, Jalen Darden, okay, makes a great move on Sean Murphy Bunting. Sean Murphy Bunting went to, to dive to, to break up the pass. Darden hauls it in, makes a move, starts going upfield, and then instead of getting out of bounds because there was like six seconds left, he decides to try to be a hero cut the, the play inside and score a touchdown. He's at about the 20-yard line. He could have easily, with, with Sean Murphy Bunting on, on the field, the on the ground, go out of bounds. Boy, did he get reamed out. 
I mean, Darden, great play, but this is the mental side of football that that the coaches are really looking at. And, I mean, Darden has looked good catching the ball, looked good getting open, but this was a mental error big time. So what happens on the very next play? Well, the very next play, similar Byron, situation. Byron yelled. Byron had it out for him. F-bomb. So a big F-bomb. F-bomb. And then Trask came in on the next play. That's right. So on the next play, they throw to Devin Tompkins, who catches the ball. Devin Tompkins had a fantastic day today. Great, great job catching the ball, going up for, for passes, which is crazy. He's 5'7". So Devin Tompkins catches the ball, beats uh, Jamel Dean. Now, you might think, after hearing Byron completely ream out Jalen Darden, you know, get out of bounds, get out of bounds, Devin Tompkins. Does he get out of bounds? No, he doesn't because he's not near the sidelines. He's more like closer to the hash. So this is a football IQ play right here. Instead of, with about 10 seconds left, him trying to race to the sidelines, which is further away, right, and risk getting tackled inbounds, they're doing two-hand touch, but instead of risking that and then the clock running out because there's no more timeouts, he actually caught the ball, took a couple steps, cut in, closer towards the middle of the field and fell down, gave himself up. So the play's over. And what that allowed the offensive line to do is get down and spike the ball and kick the game-winning field goal. And I just thought, what an absolute football IQ play that Devin Tompkins did. He knew the football situations and just made the right play. He, the, Not only that, he, he ran the football – to the to the line of scrimmage, yes. where it could have been reset, so they could they went down, picked up the football, ran to the line of scrimmage to have it reset, so they could get out there, clocked yes. in the field goal. It was great. I mean, it just just really impressed me. And I talked to him about that play after practice today, and and uh, th- this kid's got it, man. I, I I talked to Rashad Perriman about it. He's impressed with with both Jalen Darden and Devin Tompkins, but he said, man, there's just something about Devin Tompkins. I'm telling you, this guy. That's that's football IQ right there from a rookie, and and he even said that that that's this kind of stuff he was he was taught to do at Utah State, and he knew exactly what to do. He's like, if I catch the ball, I'm going to try to get to the middle of the field because that's going to be closest to where the ball is going to be placed, right, for the quick snap to spike the ball and get the field goal out there. And he was right in the middle of the field. It made it a straight shot field goal attempt, Bailey. Where you know if he would have tried to get out of bounds and tackled, even if they could have gotten the snap off. Now you're talking about, uh, you know, a, a wide hash kick. Well, what do you think about it too? Like when you think about him placing the ball down, what have we seen happen before where they throw the ball to the official? I know there wasn't an official yeah. there, but they throw the ball to the official, the official drops it. We've, we've seen it happen before and it'll be at different levels. Yeah. And the clock runs out, you know, sorry about your luck. So right. He puts the ball down and that's where it makes it easy for the official to lean down, place the ball, set up for them to spike it and, and kick yep. a field goal and right down the middle. Exactly. Well, listen, um, I appreciate everybody tuning in for, for my section of the Pewter Report podcast, but the fun continues with J.C. Allen and, uh, and, and Hopper, our man Hopper here from Stranger okay. Things, Bailey Adams, and, uh, and Josh Capo, who's going to be joining us, uh, speaking about another J.C. This guy right here, everybody's clamoring for J.C. Treader from the Cleveland Browns, former Cleveland Browns. Uh, we'll talk to, to Josh now, get him on and get his thoughts on J.C. Treader and, and more happenings out at Buck's training camp today.
going on, guys? That's what we got. So John Diggle in here. Uh, I mean, J.C. Treader is the name. Everyone seems like they're screaming at the mountaintops. J.C. Treader, J.C. Treader, get him in here. What have you actually broken down the film on him? You've seen, you've you've estimated the salary cap, what it costs to sign him based on previous years. What have you seen from J.C. Treader that makes you think he'll be a fit or cannot be a fit, and the whole contract situation as well? I think any conversation with Treader, let, let's just start with, he has been a fantastic center throughout his entire career. Okay. Um, fourth round draft pick by green Bay back in 2013, didn't play his first year, had three years with green Bay after that. Um, his first year in 2014 was a struggle. Um, but after that, he's been fantastic. The Browns brought him in a few years ago and really switched him to a wide zone offense. And I think that's kind of where we have to start the conversation with <laughs> Treader versus the bucks. Um, he's been fantastic in that role. Uh, with them now before I get into the scheme and everything like that I really want to put this out there for Bucks fans okay we are two days into training camp and JC Treader is a free agent okay there's a reason for that all right <laughs> I'm going to give you two teams where he's a better fit who both have um, playoff and Super Bowl hopes who haven't signed him the first is the Cleveland Browns the Browns have opted to go with Nick Harris as their starting center. Nick Harris has 231 career snaps. Okay. They cut Treader. They had him. They could afford him, but they decided to cut Treader. Okay. So that's number one we have to consider. The second is Alex Mack, um, who is the starting center for the 49ers future Hall of Famer, most likely. Um, he was he retired earlier, okay, uh, earlier this offseason. J.C. Treader would be an absolute perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan and the uh, San Francisco 49ers and the wide zone offense. And yet they have opted to go with, I'm trying to remember his name, um, Jake Brendel at center. Oh. Okay. It, exactly. J Robert Hainsey has five times as many pro snaps as Jake Brendel. <laughs> oh. Okay. 31 to six. All right. If those two teams who run the type of offense that J.C. Treader is best at have not signed him, there's a reason, okay? Now, it may actually be up to Treader. Treader's 31 years old. He may have decided, much like Ali Marpet, I'm good, all right? But he hasn't officially announced his retirement, so that's telling me that there's something a little bit more from the football team side where they don't want to sign him, okay? And you got to think about that with the Bucks. all right? So um, getting into scheme, the Bucks run a duo uh, offense in terms of run blocking. Um, it typically requires a bigger offensive lineman. Uh, uh, Ryan Jensen's about 320 pounds. Uh, Treader is about 310. Those 10 pounds make a world of difference in a duo blocking scheme. Uh, it requires a little bit more strength and physicality. Treader is a little bit more on the agile side. He works better on the move and in space. So there's a little bit of, of an issue. Now, Cleveland ran more duo and gap scheme last year, and Treader seemed to do okay with that. It's just not his forte. All right. I think the big thing that Bucks fans really need to remember is Robert Hainsey was drafted for a reason. Okay, He's a third-round pick. He's spent an entire year getting to know this system. He played well in the system late last year in his limited showing. He's got a strong anchor. From everything uh, that we've heard, he's been working in the, the weight room and he's really been improving his strength. 
He's got the size to play it. And from what I've seen um, from the limited reps that he's had and going back to senior bowl tape, he's got every characteristic you would want to be a successful center in this offense. He's great at hand fighting. He's got a strong punch. He's got a solid anchor. That's probably only gotten better since the senior uh, senior bowl. And he seems like a smart dude. And if you listen to the coaches and you listen to the players talk about him, there the Scott, the confidence in Hainsey is sky high and you've got to figure that translates to the quarterback. Um, because as, as you guys reported and, and as Todd Bowles has said publicly, we've had a couple of conversations, but nothing in depth about bringing somebody in the bucks seem to really like Hainsey for this. And I personally, with the tape I've seen, I can see why. Yeah. The bucks like Hainsey and you know what you guys can do. You guys can like, the Pewter Report podcast right now by going and hitting subscribe, hit the like button, make sure you hit the little notification. So every time we go live, we're approaching 9,000. We're trying to get to 10,000 during mid season. So anyone who can, who, who's hasn't subscribed yet, please make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that like button helps our algorithm helps us get out to more pewter reporters, such as yourselves and help spread the word about the content and, and the, and what we're going to bring here on an everyday basis, especially in the, in training camp. And also when the regular season rolls around, we've got some great surprises in store for game day. So make sure you guys uh, hit that notification button, hit subscribe. Uh, Kelly Bucks is asking if there's any other centers here. Now, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks add another center at some point. I just don't think it's going to be Treader for all the reasons that you laid out right there. I think they're very comfortable with Hainsey brings. And, but there are a few other guys out there who could be in play. A guy like Matt Paradis, uh, who spent last year with the Carolina Panthers. Problem with him is he tore his ACL in November. We're not sure if he's still medically cleared, but if he is, he's a veteran guy who's got plenty of snaps in the league. The other two guys are former Cleveland Browns cast tops. Uh, they're going to be Trey Trey Hopkins, not Hopper like Bailey, uh, Trey Hopkins <laughs> and Billy Price. And both of those guys struggled. God no to Billy Price. <laughs> Billy Price was with, um, was with the Giants last year. Hopkins was with uh Cincinnati last year and we all saw how that turned out uh, with the, with the sack celebrations that there were so I know a lot of people aren't high on Paradis they're like oh he only had a 68.2 grade uh from PFF Brian Jensen has 69.9 now I'm not saying PFF is wrong I'm not saying PFF doesn't know what they're doing because they're generally the go-to and used by multiple media outlets including the big you know four-letter networks but sometimes they get it wrong and, and I think with Ryan Jensen's grading uh, they probably got it wrong. But if you're comparing, just comparing, looking at gradings from PFF, it's not that far off from what Paradis gave to what? I, 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 a couple of things there. So number one, I think one of the things that, that PFF does not do a great job of is um, qualifying those numbers, right? So most of us are used to our school days where if you got something in the 60s, I don't know about you guys, but if I brought home something in the 60s, I wasn't going to see the light of day for about a, a month and a half. Um, yeah, with PFF, a 65 to about a 70 is a you know average to slightly above average grade for them. So when you see numbers like that and they try to color code it, you see it's kind of like in a light green. That typically means that it's a, a solid, you know, grade. So I think that's the very first thing. So when you see Ryan Jensen with 69.9, you know, that's a light green almost into a dark green. It, it, it's not a bad, bad um color or score for them. Um, the other thing that I was going to bring up is we talk, I hear a lot of Bucks fans talking about, this is a Super Bowl contending team. We don't, 
we can't rely on unproven pass protectors or unproven offensive linemen. And I just want to point everybody in the direction of the Kansas City Chiefs last year. Okay, so we all know what the Bucs did to the Chiefs at the end of the 2020 season in winning the, the Super Bowl over them. The Chiefs went and revamped their entire offensive line, and that included playing not one, but two rookies who ended up balling out. Okay, right. Creed Humphrey was a late second round pick, and then Trey Smith was a sixth round pick. They both ended up starting. Now, both of them phenomenal talents. They both balled out. They're some of the top players at their positions already. But I just want to show the precedent for putting in unproven players as long as the team has seen the practice tape, seen the, the talents that they bring, what did they do in college, what can they bring to the offensive line, and how do they gel with that, that line. Bucks have a solid line to begin with. You're going to have Gedecki or Stinian at the left guard, and Hainsey should be just fine at center. Um, most most analysis of offensive lines have sh shown you don't have to have a stud at every position you, in order to have a functional offensive line that works well for a top offense. You need to just not be bad in any position. And I have a lot of confidence that Robert Hainsey is going to be solid to above average. Right? And then I, I think I saw Leo Galina earlier when he was trying to refute what you said about the Patriots and what, what um, Brady's done with not much in terms of, centers in the past he said yeah but the, the patriots had a, a hall of fame offensive line coach has anybody seen what our offensive line coach has done with this line right yeah <laughs> the crazy thing is too today we got thrown a little a little surprise a little wrinkle out there with the first team unit usually we the last couple two days we've seen it's been robert uh aaron stinney with the first team unit today robert hainsey uh, was obviously at center. Aaron Stinney was was actually at right guard in the second team. And then Gadecki was left guard at the second team. So who was at left guard with the first team? It was Brandon Walton out of all people. It was uh I, I'm not sure if it was something to do with hey, you know, Stinney was part of that issue yesterday or or they just want to get a better look at him. But it was it was interesting to note that Brandon Walton was with the first team. There's a lot of other interesting things to note too. And one thing that Bailey, you were at the press conference and Mike Evans was speaking, and he was speaking about Tyler Johnson pretty uh glowingly, actually. And he made a couple plays today. Yeah, it was actually uh Casey Hudson asked, you know, Mike Evans, you know, Mike Evans in practice today was a vet day for him. But they, she asked if, you know, who, who's standing out among the uh, young or young receivers? And, you know, there's a, you know, 10 receivers probably vying for three or four spots. Um, and, you know, he gave first gave kind of the, just the general answer of, you know, all the young guys have impressed me. You know, they've all looked good. They've all stepped up. But then he then shouted out Tyler Johnson and said, Tyler Johnson is in tip top shape. And he loves what he's seen from him. He said, if I had to pick one, it's Tyler Johnson. And yeah, Tyler Johnson's had a couple good days. Um, it's just interesting because I think, Early on, and you know, there's always you know some knee-jerk reactions, but it's it's kind of easy to write off somebody you've seen the last couple of years for you know these younger guys like Devin Tompkins, like Kalen Geiger, some of these guys that you know have high upside that are you know get everyone excited. It's it's easy to look at them over Tyler Johnson, but I don't think Tyler Johnson's necessarily out of this race yet. Yeah, no. I was just going to say, it's interesting that uh, he described Johnson as in tip-top shape, considering that Johnson was called out for being out of shape. 
this yeah. time last year. He, <laughs> so he it sounds like he took that to heart. Definitely <laughs> right. learned his lesson. And Johnson was targeted by – he was actually playing with all three quarterbacks today. He was playing with Griffin. He was playing with Gabbard. And and perhaps the best moment uh, of the day came in that two-minute hur uh, hurry-up offense with Kyle Trask when they were marching down the field. He actually caught three balls right away, was quick to get the ball back to the line of scrimmage for them to go to the next play. It was very encouraging to see that. And, you know, while he might not potentially be – the best bet to make the roster, you know, he's showing that he, he has been given the opportunity and he's making the most of it. But if you're going to make a bet and you're going to make a bet on this Bucks team yesterday, we said that Michael Gallup is going to be out for the first week of the season. Maybe put some money down on the Dallas Cowboys winning it because whether you're a newcomer to sports betting or a veteran to the game, if you're still looking for a place to play all the odds and bet to win, you got to join the MyBookie community. You guys, MyBookie is the best place to bet on all your favorite sports. MLB is in full swing right now. NFL's coming back around the corner. Get those future bets in because the props are going to be higher than ever before. NHL's right around the corner. NBA, we've got UFC happening all and, and so much more. Soccer, all that stuff is still going on right now. So they've got the odds for any event so you can raise the stakes on your, on your own terms, which is great. Uh, and if you're worried about, you know, inflation happening and everything like that, my bookie's going to pump up your betting power by matching half of your deposit up to a thousand dollars. If you put in 2000, they're putting a thousand dollars. If you're putting a thousand dollars, they're putting $500. in. so use that promo code pewter deposit 200 and play with a hundred dollars in extra house money. Pretty much you're playing with money. They're giving you $300 to spend, which is awesome. So whether you're like a diehard fan or like a casual better, my bookie community welcomes you. Sign up today. Put your money where your mouth is. Plus, don't forget to use the promo code Pewter because you know when you do that, you're going to get a first deposit of up to $1,000. Whatever you put in, they'll meet you halfway. And that's definitely a bet worth making with a lot of bets to make. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie because my bookie is going to be the one that's going to bring you that money when the season starts. But, uh, you know, speaking of the season starts, there's so much time before the season starts. And we've talked about, you know, ad nauseum Robert Haynes, because that's the biggest thing to talk about now. We've talked about Julio Jones and what his role could potentially be uh, going forward, because that's a main focus. And I think one thing that is, is really important to bring up, too, is Kyle Trask has been extremely consistent the last few days. He's been decisive with his throws. He's been quick to go through his reads. He has been um, kind of everything you've wanted to see. You've seen an up uptick of snaps. Like that two-minute drill hurry-up situation uh, today, like that like really proved to me, okay, he's got the poise to handle a course. Again, I say this with everything. We're not in pads yet. There's not contact, you know, especially in the two-minute drill, as Scott alluded to earlier. It was pretty much a walkthrough for the offensive and defensive line. They went through the motions, but they weren't coming at you. But, you know, the poise he showed, getting everybody lined up, calling audibles. You know, Jameis Winston never called an audible in a game, let alone in, in a practice. Uh, you know, calling audibles, switching out plays, putting receivers in the right position. He's really shown a command of this offense and to be able to get them not only – in a, in a position to score to potential because they were down. It was, it was a touchdown to win scenario, but he also got them in the end zone. He got them in the end zone with a beautiful touchdown through traffic to Kalen Geiger, who him and Geiger had a misstep on the, on yesterday on the play before where he, where Geiger uh, was wide open and just dropped the pass. So Geiger made a, a, a nice play to redeem himself for yesterday to end, 
end situational football and end the practice for the day. But I don't know about you, Bailey. I've been very impressed with Kyle Trask. And if he continues this progression, we heard Jason Light said he's going to play a lot. If he continues this progression and he shows up in the preseason, there's a very good chance that he could be the number two quarterback going into the NFL season week one. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. I mean, this obviously is a very massive month for Kyle Trask. It's, you know, he's going to get a lot more reps in training camp. He's going to get a lot of reps in the preseason games. And it was a day like today where Tom Brady had the day off. It was a vet day off for him. You know, you're going to need to take advantage of the snaps you're getting in that day. And I think he did that for the most part. I mean, he's been consistent. And I asked Todd Bowles about it after practice. And he said the biggest thing that he saw from him is that, you know, he's confident. He knows where he's going with the ball. He knows how to command the offense. And he, again, was saying, you know, he said the same thing for Blaine Gabbert. He said, you know, both guys looked like they could command the offense. They knew where they were going with the ball. But he was complimentary of what he's seen from Kyle Trask. And, and Kyle Trask, that's the big thing. You know, him, like last year, we talked about Hainsey having a developmental year. It's, that's It was completely like that for Trask. He didn't even dress for a game, I don't think. No, but, you know, that, that time that time where he gets to learn behind Tom Brady, learn from a guy like Blaine Gabbert who's been in the league for a while, you know, mm-hmm. getting that time and then being able to translate that into what we've seen the first few days of, of training camp. I think he's, he's looking good. He's looking better. And, you know, I know like you said you're not in pads yet. You know, you'll see some of that stuff. But that's the, the good thing about getting these reps now prepares him for, you know, when he goes out there next week in pads. That'll prepare him for the, tra- the preseason action that he's going to get. And, you know, that's where you gotta you got to evaluate and see, is this guy going to be your future? Right, right. The biggest thing is when pads come on, we'll know more about every position, right? The offensive line, edge rushes. We saw some good movement. For, I mean, again, Elijah Ponder stood out again with another would-be sack. He had another would-be sack the other day, another pressure. He's really been standing out a guy who's transformed his body and has really taken this role seriously. And I think, you know, his, him and Nelson, who's built upon last year, he had two sacks the other day. Um, they're giving – and everyone wants, right, everyone wants – now to add a center but before that it was an edge rusher i think once the pads come on these practices for hainsey for ponder for leverett for gadecki for stinney against competition such as a, a jeffrey simmons and such as you know the, the taylor lewans and, and the guys on, on the tennessee titans and the uh, the miami dolphins teams are going to be huge for the bucks to make that evaluation more so even i think than the games and when it comes to the games it's going to be great to to see how you know, they utilize and who do they put in uh, at, at what times um, and, and what instances. But I think we're going to see a lot of Trask and, and that's going to be huge for his development. So that brings me, if you guys don't mind, two questions from somebody who can't be at camp. Right. You guys are are the Bucks fans eyes and ears. So um, just kind of finishing off the thought on the quarterbacks from what you guys have seen over the last couple of days just because I know a lot of fans love to do the comparisons, who's looked sharper? Has it been Gabbert or has it been Trask? Or has it been Ryan Griffin? <laughs> <laughs> this, I think today was the first time we'd seen Ryan Griffin actually throw a pass in the last three days, right, JC? Yeah, it was. He he hasn't he has not been he's not been anything. But hey, he's gonna get <laughs> he's gonna get some reps in now that now that Brady's taking an off day. So you know they want to overwork these guys too too much. So between Gabbert and, and Trask, who would you say has looked sharper so far? Go ahead. I'd Andy. say consist- consistency-wise, I think it's been Trask. I think it's kind of an interesting question because you're looking at two guys that are actually kind of – it seems to me like they're doing different things. Like we talked about a little bit, I think, back earlier in the offseason from OTAs and minicamp. It was – you know, Gabbert was a lot of times just taking the safe check down, you know, throwing it to Cam Brate, throwing it to, you know – not, not really taking too many chances, whereas, you know, because he, you know, he knows what his, basically what his role is. And 
and he's not doing too much. Kyle Trask is out to prove himself. And I think he's taking a little more chances. You're seeing more downfield throws from him. And I think, you know, on the whole, you've seen more consistency. Yeah, you've seen some incompletions here and there, some drops maybe. Um, and he's missing some guys here and there. But I think if, if you're looking at consistency and just sharpness, I, I like what Kyle Trask has done so far. Yeah, I think part of the problem was uh, Gabbert today, you know, he had two interceptions and three dropped interceptions. He didn't have this guy to tag him in. You know, he did not have this guy to tag him in. And, well, yes, this guy might be the most, you know, handsome quarterback on here, obligatory, second, third obligatory Gabbert we've got today. I, I agree. I think it's been this guy, Kyle Trask. I think Trask has shown more consistency, more poise. Uh, watching him go through his progressions and his read reads have been impressive to me. He's shown some good zip on the ball, uh, good ball placement for the most part. He did have an interception uh, the other day, and he's had some in incomplete passes. But I've been really impressed with him. And, again, uh, you know, it, it all comes down to what what do they look like when pads come on? What does it look like when he's really under pressure, when he's really under duress? And not just from the Bucks team, from another team as well. The one thing I do want to see, um, and, and even still today, we really didn't get to see – Gabbert with any of the ones and I I, I want to I mean uh, Trask with any of the ones I want to see that he did have a few plays with um I, I believe with Russell Gage but I want to see more I want to see him with Evans I want to see him with Rudolph I want to see him with Braid I want to see what he can do with these guys and Jason Light told us he's going to get plenty of opportunities to do that so you know I'm not I'm not too worried uh, about that um but again, it's young. The Bucks need to know what they have in this guy. And once we get into these these dual duo practices, dual practices, I think that's where we're really going to be able to tell, right. um, you know, cut the cream from the crop. Not only along the along the the team at, at positions where they're trying to look at receiver, edge rusher, offensive line, but with quarterback as well. Yeah. And and for the fans out there, we will have you covered for the dual practices. So Miami comes to Tampa, right? right. They're coming up. So we'll definitely have coverage there, and then. Um, the Bucks will head to Nashville to play or to practice against um, the Titans leading up to their preseason game. Peter Report will have you covered there. Scott will be up for that. I'll actually get to attend that Ooh. one. So that's very exciting. Um, so we've got you covered even when the team goes on the road. Um, the next question I had for you guys, again, coming from the perspective of somebody who's not there. Last year throughout the regular season, there was quite a bit of consternation from fans over the disparity in play between our offense and our defense, right? Throughout the middle of the season, the Bucks defense was a bit porous. They allowed a lot of yards. There were some frustrations there. How has the defense looked playing against the offense? I know yesterday on the podcast, JC, you and Casey and Scott were talking a lot about uh, reps where you were like, that would have been a sack. That would have been a sack. That would have been a sack. From my perspective, that sounds really good for the defense, is that something that you're seeing consistently that the defense is matching the offense in terms of talent and production on the field? Bailey, you want go to go ahead, Okay, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been almost 50-50, right? The offense has been making plays. The defense has been making plays. Defense for the third day in a row got two interceptions, so that's good. They're creating turnovers, which is one of the biggest things. They're getting after the quarterback with multiple sacks a day, which is a huge thing. But the offense is carving them up too. Like there, There's times where they're just, you know, moving the ball at will guys are getting open clean cuts in and out of their breaks tight windows that that are just being completions there's been a lot of drops out there too but you know we're day three into camp still so everything's still and it's been hot it's been really hot on the sidelines me and bailey and scott and everyone's been sweating our our, our you know what's off so i can only imagine running around out there uh it's sometimes it's hard to concentrate i had to go inside for a minute because i was 
you know, way too hot. I had to cool down. But, you know, I think there there is going to be just like any day. There's going to be days where the defense is on fire and the offense is struggling and the offense is on fire and the defense is struggling. But so far, I think it's been a really good blend of of mixture of the offense moving the ball and the defense coming up with plays. We saw the first day of camp. Defense ended camp with a with a touch with the interception. That was it. Camp is over. There's time still left on the clock, but defense made a play. I've seen enough. Bull said, and he and he cut the practice short with 46 seconds left on, on their on their play on situational play clock today. And it was a touchdown. You know, yesterday just ended kind of on a play. So you know, it's it, it's been up and down. We've seen highlights and lowlights from both sides, and it's going to continue to get better. And it's going to continue. Then now it's going to ramp up and continue to get a little more physical once pads come on Monday. I think they're actually in spiders and shells tomorrow uh, as part of that ramp up process. Um, and then pads are on Monday. Now practices are going to be a little bit shorter. Uh, because they had the ramp up process with getting into camp and practices have gradually increased. We'll go back down to a shorter practice on Monday and then they'll gradually increase to the point where they're practicing, you know, 150 minutes a day. Um, so, you know, it's going to be, it, it's going to be a lot more, this, there'll be a lot more to unwrap and, and, and really dive into once we see pads on, because there's so many positions out there on the offense and defensive lines that you really can't tell, especially like running plays. Uh, there was some good runs out there, Bailey, but yeah. would they have been good runs is a question mark because it, as Scott said there, it's kind of two hand touch, you know, I got you, you know, and, yeah. and you know, the running backs, the running backs don't care. They're like, Oh yeah, well, watch this. And they take that <laughs> field and run at the end. So they're going to score a touchdown, but really like they were probably tackled the line of scrimmage. So yeah. it's going to be yeah. uh, a lot more interesting, a lot more unpacking the running game, the offensive line, the defensive line, the edge rushers to see, and also a little bit on uh guys like Keanu Neal. Is he still laying the lumber out there? Um, so I was, you going to be able, you know, let's see him chip some guys at the line of scrimmage. Pass blocking has been almost non-existent too for running block, running back. So that's going to be interesting to see as well. Yeah. So Bailey, um, next question, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd love for you to take it. Um, what have you seen from uh, the edge rushers? I know a lot of Tampa Bay fans, they're concerned about the depth there. So how has Anthony Nelson looked? How has Cam Gill looked? Elijah Ponder, some of the guys beyond there. Have we seen Logan Hall take any reps on the outside or have they been exclusively pushing him uh, into that three technique spot? I think, well, I think to, to answer that, I think Cam Gill has has uh, flashed at times. I think we've seen, you know, as much as you can without the pads like we're talking about. Um, you've seen some good reps here and there. I think JTS is a guy who's who's already flashed in a couple of days. Um, he had the pick today, as, as Scott mentioned, uh, off the tip from Will Golston. Um but yeah, and I think as on the Logan Hall question, JC, correct me if I'm wrong. They've been playing him mostly inside, right? Yeah, I haven't seen too much of him being used versatility. You know, using that versatility as of right now. But I'm sure once they ramp up and get into more installs and playbook, we might see something. I think that'll yeah. be something really interesting to look at as camp progresses. If we start to see him on the outside a little bit, that may be why the Bucks haven't necessarily pursued a veteran edge rusher. Um, to help with the depth is if they think Hall can move outside a little bit and and provide some extra um, depth from that from that perspective. I know last year the Bucks used Vita Vea and Namiko Su a little a little bit on the outside, and maybe they feel like they can patch through that if need be. Right, you know, yeah, who- Elijah Ponder is such a such an interesting guy. You know, just basically on his story and the way he's transformed his body, and I think he's you know I think Todd Bowles has been pretty complimentary of him, and and we've heard some good things about Ponder. Um, and again, it's one of those things where, you know, will he will he continue to splash when the pads come on? Will he make the plays? Will he get in the backfield? Um, and, you know, I, I think 
I think they're in good shape. I, th- I think, you know, you, you know, always want to add if you can and add if it's going to be the right fit. And Todd Bowles has talked about that. Um, you know, not just going out just to get a guy, but to go out and not disrupt the locker room, go out and get a guy that actually fits. And, you know, they'll see, they'll see more as camp goes on if that's even a necessity. Right. And I, and I think, you know, what they said, if someone falls into our lap, right, I'm sure, you know, they, they might be looking at a guy, but, you know, again, it all, I, I can't stress pads. Like, we've got to wait to see these guys and how they do on pads. Like, I, pads, pads, pads. JC's pads, ready pads. to pad up himself. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. He's to like, I'm the JC they're going to sign. Right, yep. I'm gonna pad up. Yeah, forget Treader. J.C. Allen's the guy you need. But no, I think once we see pads, and I think that's what the Bucks want to see too. Like they've seen positive, um, you know, uh, plays out of Ponder, out of Cam Gill, out of Anthony Nelson, continuing on last year. But once they, you know, once we see them in pads, if that level of play continues, I think the Bucks might be like, okay, you know, we don't really need to add someone right now. We can kind of wait, you know. But I mean, let's. We just saw. Carlos Dunlap signed an $8 million deal with the Kansas City Chiefs, and that was a guy that a lot of people kind of were, were hoping the Bucs would sign after he was a situational rusher last year for the Seahawks and managed 10 sacks. Well, you know, maybe Anthony Barr out there right now is, you know, asking for $6 million, or maybe uh, D. Ford, who just got cut, maybe he's healthy and he's asking for $6 million as well, or, or Trey Flowers wants – Five million, or you know, just throwing those numbers out there. I don't know how much they're asking for, but if they said, okay, you know what, I want five million. I don't really want to wait around for an injury to maybe get that money. Comes to the Bucks and say, hey, I love to play with you guys. I'll come for one point five. I'll come for two with incentives. That's the kind of what I think falling into their lap. And as long as they're a good chemistry fit, they'll sign someone maybe before they get a look at these guys on the roster. But I think they want to get a look at, at what they've got out of Ponder, what the what Cam Gill has been able to do over the year. The guy that we did get a look at, though, was a guy named Bug. <laughs> Bug Howard was out there today. This the Bucks' newest uh, signing after they waived Sterling Hoffrichter. Uh, too bad, could have went to Germany, but uh, you know they signed him today. He's a tight end. hasn't really has bounced around the league a bunch. Uh, never really played or suited up. He was on a practice squad for a minute. Uh, but he was with the USFL. Yes, last year he was with USFL Philadelphia Stars, and he he had the the fourth most uh, receptions, uh, catches, and uh, and and touchdowns, and and he was a bit of a playmaker. 30, 30 receptions, three hundred sixty one yards, and four touchdowns, and he was kind of a box out nightmare. Now he's got a, a, a long. Uh, list of players ahead of him and a tough road to maybe crack the roster. Special teams is going to be his best bet, but if they want to, if they like what they see out of him and, and maybe he could be a candidate for the, um, for the practice squad. Uh, I initially thought when I heard the signing, maybe they they've seen enough out of, out of Ben Baez, uh, their undrafted free safety or JJ Howland, but both of them made some good plays today. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see that competition roll out too, because as camp rolls on, you know, reps are hard to come by, especially when we start getting into, you know, not necessarily game planning because you don't really game plan for a priest's opponent, but installs, um, you know, those reps are going to be handed to the players who are going to actually play a lot and they need to get a look at. So we'll see how quickly he could rise up through the ranks. But uh, quick, speaking of rising up through the ranks, we're trying to rise up our numbers here on Pewter Report TV. Please subscribe, like that podcast, like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. And if you haven't already hit the notification bell, I know we've got a great viewership on Twitter and I and I appreciate the views on Twitter. I love the views on Twitter. But YouTube's where it's at. The chat is always popping in here. There's there's fun things to do like super chats and, and ways you can contribute. So if you're watching, if you're a Twitter user, 
hop on over to YouTube TV, hit the like, hit the subscribe button, turn the notifications on so you never miss any of our podcasts because we're going to have a lot of great things coming up during the season. Obviously, we'll have our training camp breakdown and you get the most comprehensive coverage you're going to get anywhere else in Tampa Bay by going right here and deputerreport.com to read all of our articles. We're going to have a bunch of content out today. Hit the Pewter Pulse. Sign up for the Pewter Pulse, guys. I work at Pewter Report, and I am I have I am signed up for the Pewter Pulse. I get every single article comes to our e- my, right to my email. Lets me know when new content's out. So that's going to be great. But guys, it's been another great podcast. Uh, great numbers today. Uh, you know, it was a good one yesterday. But I think we topped that one today. I think we topped it. We had a lot to talk about. We had Capo in here breaking down the JC Treader myth rumor whatever uh establishing that robert hainsey should be the guy bailey with some amazing insights on training camp i'll come to you guys one real quick for one last thought uh josh i'll start with you one last thought before we close this podcast out for the weekend so i think um i think that despite the jensen in whoa uh, despite the jensen injury uh everything else that i've kind of heard from from our amazing coverage down there is, is very positive for the Bucks for this year. And, uh, and, and I do feel like that the offense is still going to be a high-octane offense, even without Ryan Jensen, uh, no matter who they decide to go with at center this year. Bailey, what are your final thoughts before we head into the weekend? One practice left before we come back on Monday. I'm going to go with the, the J.C. Allen special of tying two together, making it sound like one. Uh, some some new additions that have have shined so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of um, on the defensive side of the ball. Keanu Neal, he was a guy who saw him fly in on a blitz today, and you know I think there's there's a lot to that aspect of his game that the Bucks are going to employ. And then Russell Gage on the offensive side of the ball. I know all the talks about Julio Jones right now, and perhaps rightfully so. But Russell Gage is a guy that you know you don't want to forget about. Todd Bowles was extremely complimentary of him after practice today, and said you know they haven't been able to cover him yet. You know it's been a few days and. You know, it, it's always interesting to me when you get those those questions to coaches and players and you ask a general question. They're kind of like speaking generally, and then their mind goes to one guy. Like we said with Mike Evans earlier, you know, he went to Tyler Johnson. Bowles was asked a similar question. He was like, Russell Gage, we haven't been able to cover him. And I'm really interested to continue to see. We talked to Russell Gage today. You know, sounds happy happy to have his, his guy Julio there. But Keanu Neal and Russell Gage, two actually two former Falcons, along with Julio Jones. I, uh, I was just about them. I was just about to say, my entire neighborhood just collectively sighed. Living here in Atlanta, your final thoughts featured three different former Falcons. Hey, if they're not sold, if they're not sold to the inside linebacker position with Grant Stewart and KJ Britt, both who have looked really solid. Uh, Grant, KJ Britt should have had that interception, but yesterday he had a would be sack flying in up the middle. Uh, and then Grant Stewart today in that situational work, I talked about Trask, uh, realized the defense was barking out calls. The defense wasn't set up properly and probably would have been exploited for a touchdown. He called a defensive timeout. So the defense to get reset and realigned, they scored a touchdown anyways on the very next play. But <laughs> but for him to see that, you know, the mentality there to, to you know, hey, the headiness. That the, the headiness, that was important. For me, I think it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be the secondary sticking on that trend. But Carlton Davis, two days, two picks. You know, I talked to him earlier today, and he's like, he had some really good insight. He's like, I'm a defensive guy, but I want to play more offensively. He's like, I don't want to be the the guy. I don't want to be the guy who's just sitting back there and having that defensive attitude. 
I want to be the guy taking chances. I want to be the guy being aggressive. I want to have more of an ad- offensive attitude when it comes to attacking the ball and getting the ball back. Just being more in attack mode and just trusting that the defense is going to be in the right position. Um, and, and I think that's exactly what you want to hear. And so far, two days in a row, it's paid off in dividends. Granted, they were both you know off tip balls, but he was in the right spot, had his head on a swivel, and came down with it. So uh, I'm excited to see that continue. I'm excited for pads on Monday, everybody. We'll, we'll be out at practice tomorrow, but we won't recap it until Monday. Uh, we're going to take a day off. Sunday is another day off for them. Back at it Monday. We'll recap Saturday's practice. We'll recap Monday's practice. We'll get in all, all into it. But, guys, I want to thank you for being here. Again, if you haven't, subscribe, like, smash, notification. Do it up. If you're on Twitter, pop over. Do the same thing. But for Scott Reynolds, who was in here for the first 20 minutes, we're like 30 minutes. <laughs> Uh, for Josh Capo down here, amazing capologist, guy's a beast. He's also an incredible writer for Josh, for Bailey, who is you know top notch editor. Guy drops everything to put out the amazing content we got out there, and also is an incredible writer for himself and myself, JC Allen. Guys, thank you again for turning in, tuning in to another Pure Report podcast. Out, out.